by the powers vested in me by the Federal Communications Commission, I command you to get on the microphone in a serious manner and continue this broadcast. You know, I'm hearing this in my sleep now, Kevin. This the hang around and continue this broadcast is getting a little, little Wait, weary. Y- you sleep? <laughs> yeah, every day between 3 and 7. <laughs> it's great. AM and PM. It's the weirdest thing. I'm getting four hours in a clip twice a day. We it's awesome. Not, we send you in the closet you. downstairs. <laughs> we got a little bit hey, bed for you. Have you seen the Medved uh, wing downstairs? Mm-hmm. Michael Medved's entire suite of offices downstairs? No, I haven't. Oh, it is impressive and well-deserved. It is impressive and well-deserved. I'm Spike O'Neill. Welcome to Cairo Nights. <clears throat> Excuse my little uh, grumble there. Uh, if you may have uh, been around this afternoon for 12 to 3, Jack Stein and I have been uh, having the honor of sitting this week in the 12 to 3 chair, and we'll see how that plays out in the future. But the main thing I do is here at night with you guys. Kind of a uh, kind of an after-dark vibe. You know, I, I think I mentioned this afternoon, I don't know if I could say something on the air because the sun was still up. <laughs> I heard what you said. Yeah. And I, did, oh, did they let it fly? Yeah, I wasn't sure yeah, if they, it, okay. wasn't, it wasn't dumped and then okay. I thought it was okay. But th- okay. this is the time for us to decompress. Yeah, this, this, yeah. Right, say exactly. it, say it, <clears throat> no, what was it? Booger. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Tribute to uh, Johnny Fever there, I'll WKRP. Yeah, you would. I like that. So uh, joining us, it's movie night here at Cairo Nights, and I wouldn't miss this for the world. Frank Sumrall from My Northwest is here tonight. Uh, Lisa Brooks is going to sit with us because I love your expertise and your vast experience of, I, I haven't seen that, I haven't seen that, I haven't seen that. <laughs> that's sort of what it does. That's kind of what, I, me too, me too. <laughs> but it's nice to have somebody uh, with a perspective that you bring to the conversation. So. I've seen all the chick flicks. I just uh, want to say, we you don't know talk about them enough. So do I. All right. I mean, I, I, we, we, there's not enough being made. That's the problem. Mm, well, let's d- okay. Punt audible chick flicks. Why aren't there more made? They Rom-coms. also need to bring back erotic thrillers. The the thing of the eighties. It needs to come back. Incredible, you know. Okay, uh, sleeping uh, with the enemy. Yeah. Basic well, instinct. Sleeping with the enemy was a creepy movie, though, man. Well, usually thrillers. the erotic uh, yeah. thrillers get a little creepy. I, I, yeah. Okay, yeah. fair enough. But I think we're also convincing the audience how creepy Sleepless in Seattle got. So you know, it's okay. Everything's everything's fair. Sleepless in Seattle was not a stalker movie. I know that she flew across the country <laughs> and watched them from across the street without saying hello, and, and almost that got is hit by a car. The textbook definition of stalking. It was true love. But it's Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan can't be a stalker. I know. I know. Can you? Can haircut. somebody ins- insanely hot stalk you? I mean, don't, yes. I, 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 <laughs> thank you. Thank yes. you for pulling me back from the dark alley. I was about to leap into an and end define my own. That, yes. yeah. Continued the stalking with you've got mail. You've got mail. You've she got would, mail. Yeah, you've got mail. I won't be ignored. No, that was a different. That was Glenn Close. Different. Movie. And what? 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 Um. Oh, uh, John Kennedy, the senator from Louisiana, was referring to somebody in a political text and called them a bunny boiler. What is that? Well, he, I had never heard it either, but he used the reference of Glenn Close from Fatal Attraction oh, to describe ah, someone as so a good. bunny boiler. And this is like a, a 90-year-old senator from Louisiana. Wow. That's this, a solid erotic thriller. Serious, man. You Gosh. drop that little uh, cultural icon nut on there? Wow. Best erotic thriller was the remake of The Thomas Crown Affair. I think that was in the 1990s. Now, yeah. Was, With, um, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yes. And what's her name? Renee? Yes. Yeah, uh, Rene Russo. Uh, Rene I'll, Russo. Take, yeah, I'll take yeah. the Steve McQueen version. Steve, man, that's, that's hard. a good that, one That's too. my guy. That's my guy, Steve. It, it, it's is hard, it is hard to improve anything, improve on anything that Steve McQueen did. I, I'm with you. Steve McQueen was an absolute gift from the heavens. And so what they did to him at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I always get hung up on that. It always bugs me. It always bugs me. Well, it, the same thing with Bruce Lee. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bruce, oh, yeah. They made Bruce Lee out to be an annoying little turd. Mm. 
and, and once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, that was an interesting so, choice. It was. His family was not happy about that. No, uh, but when you're trying to make Brad Pitt look good, you have there's no low you can't you can't go to. Is your shirt a Brad Pitt reference? Um, Adapter die. I don't know. Is it? He says that in Moneyball. Does he? Oh, oh, it's oh, that's he's true. You know, no. I, thank you for asking. Frank Semmel's here, and he, my shirt says Adapter die. Um, and this was what well, when we. Lo- it's nothing about the movies, and so. <laughs> But when my father-in-law passed away oh, with I cancer, oh. um, my sister-in-law and my wife and I all got these matching shirts. And we just – that's kind of our tribute to my father-in-law. But Love thank it. you for noticing. That's, that's a good I, one. That's why I wear it. It's good for uh, us. We, we are here tonight to talk about politics in film and politics in television and how our political, our political world has, dare I say, devolved to the point that I think it may affect how we view politics in the cinema. And has the role in politics in cinema changed? Due to the de-evolution of our actual political environment. Yeah, so my guy, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, my favorite filmmaker out there alongside the Coen brothers. Uh, he's famous for doing Boogie Nights, There Will Be Blood. He's recently done Phantom Thread and Licorice Pizza. He's announced, or there's a rumor going around, that he is doing a film that is going to talk about the GOP, the Republican Party. And the rumor that's floating around out of them, other than Leo being attached to the cast is he's trying to find someone to cast for a character similar to Marjorie Green Taylor. Taylor Green. Taylor Green. Uh, it's okay to butcher her name. I think Marjorie Taylor. I get it. You know, whatever. Marjorie <laughs> Trailer we'll, Park. We'll, we'll swap whatever you want to call her. Um, and it's a bold decision. He's a bold filmmaker. But it made me think, do these types of political satire films even work today, particularly in the post-Trump era? Exactly. Politics is satire. You know, you, we also don't look up. Yes. Right. Right. And people who didn't see the connection between flat out reality denial yeah. and and current political environment were just trying real hard not to see the connection. And, and that film received so much discourse and, and it was back and forth. And the problem with, with having politics being so embedded in your films is it becomes really hard to judge them because no, no one started to judge the filmmaking behind Don't Look Up, whether it was a well-directed, well-written, what was Leo a great performance or whatnot, Jennifer Lawrence, et cetera. It, it just became the politics inside of it. You know, you had left side saying this movie's amazing. You had the right side saying this movie's awful. An insult and it became very partisan. Yeah. And of course, when you're talking about movies, it gets really complicated, and I just don't know if this exists anymore, that we can have stuff like that. I was going through the greatest political movies, as we'll talk about later in the segment. I don't even know if these movies could be made anymore. What, 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 what examples couldn't be made today? I think it's an, Whoa, it's an I got a big top. one. I got a big one. Okay. JFK. Oliver Stone's really? JFK. I do not think that movie could Why? be made because anymore. Why? Because it's from a, the standpoint of history. So. Well, it has a standpoint of history, but it's so slanted in his view and yeah, yeah. his ideology of uh, the JFK yeah, of the, assassination. Of the yeah. And there would be so much Twitter discourse, online feedback, wow. radio show talk shows are talking about it. it well, they would, talked about it back then. Of course. It was very it, controversial. It was controversial then. Imagine today. But there, there weren't 200,000 journalists out there on social media. One yeah. thing, one thing about the atmosphere of social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, whatever, everyone has a level platform. Used to be you had to actually go and go to school or have <laughs> decades of experience to, to earn a position of authority to speak on a subject. Now anybody with an at sign has a level platform. As long as you pay for that blue check mark. <sighs> as long as you st- spend those eight bucks, then you are bucks. an official. You're an official. On a topic. Expert. Keyboard strong. Keyboard smart. Go America. So uh, I'm interested by this this uh, 
Paul Thomas Anderson film that Leonardo DiCaprio has been uh, 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 rumored to be attached to it. Uh-huh. Who would he play? Oh, that's a great question. I'm not really sure. I mean, who who are the modern with 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 a, with a star power name like Leonardo DiCaprio? It's got to be a movie or shaker in the GOP. Can't just be one of the even now front benchers like Jim Jordan. It'd be fun to figure out though, because I could see him after doing Don't Look Up, where he was on one side of the spectrum. He's like, now I want to flip it, flip Let's it because he's done that stuff before. Obviously, he's the villain in Django Unchained. He played Jay Edgar, right. which is a complicated yeah, role yes. in, a, in a very interesting movie to say the least by Clint Eastwood uh he's done stuff like that before and I could see him maybe channeling that again because also Paul Thomas Anderson's the guy that gets the best performances out of Daniel Day-Lewis so I could see Leo's like all right I trust this guy I'm gonna ride with the script hmm. he'd have to wear prosthetic out the wazoo to be somebody of I mean there is who do you play Trump See, but uh, I don't maybe, know if what, I want Paul Thomas Anderson to go in that Trump direction uh, DiCaprio yeah how old is he he's in his 40s. 40s yeah probably in his 40s or maybe forty yeah, a little bit later. In his 50s maybe? Well, let's see his his no, his his current love interest. Oh yeah, that's twenty one. <laughs> you have to double her age. Right. So, sorry. No, I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. He's uh he's forty eight. Forty eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and he is a brilliant actor. Oh yeah. When he did Jagger, he looked nothing like himself. I mean, you know, they, they these guys can strap on. You know, speaking of speaking of sidebar prosthetics, I saw an interview with um, I think Ben Stiller was doing it of uh, Brandon Fraser. For his role in the whale mm-hmm. right. and what they what he went through to play that this this five point harness of um, of the, having the weight on him. So usually, what they do when someone wears a fat suit and it's almost it's a like caricature mm-hmm. of of a heavy person. Uh, but he literally had studied the movements and physiology of extremely obese people, and they built this mechanism, this five point harness that retained total suit that he lived in. For the making of this movie, and he moved in the mannerisms of someone of that stature. Mm-hmm. I mean, just Brandon Fraser's done great work, and he's done some real, you know, nickel and dime movies too. But I haven't seen The Whale because, yeah. because I, I, I haven't had a day so wonderfully sunshiny, joyous, and optimistic that I can take on the subject matter did of you, The Whale. Did you see Black Swan? I did see Black Swan. So it's the same. Writer director, okay, and it's, it's a weird mix. I, I feel like it's the wrong project. It's a weird movie. It's it's brilliant, it's a, brilliant performance, but a movie that's and I'm not yeah, rushing out. I, it's, I know, it's not rushing out. Kind of the scene. wrong filmmaker for a project like that because it gets into some sentimentality, which Darren Aronofsky, who made the Black Swan, just not really his forte. Black Swan's pretty brutal of a movie. Great and yeah. well done, but it's brutal. It's, it's, a, it's a psychological... Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, if you want a happy one, go uh, watch his old movie, Requiem for a Dream. That's oh, a real yeah, that's uh, a, smiler. Oh. Is that the Rob, that's the Robin Williams film? Uh, no, it's Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Okay, what, what am I thinking of the... Um, what was the Robin Williams film where his wife passed away and it was kind of his travel between the, the afterlife and the modern life? What dreams may come. What dreams That's may come. Oh, Thank you. Good Thank poll. You. Good Look poll. At, Kevin, you control the board, my friend. Okay, so we're getting, we're getting far afield. Let's talk about politics and films. Before we do, though, Marjorie Taylor Greene in a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Pat Oswalt to play the role. <laughs> you know, I, I just want to throw it out there. I mean, the facial similarities are striking. I think Reese Witherspoon could do something with that oh, role. Oh, that's no, you, you're, you're spot on, but no, no one that attracts. I love to see Brie Larson get serious again. Well, Brie Larson in that role. I really? love this. She's doing Marvel. She's doing yeah. Fast and Furious. I'd love to see her get serious yeah. again. 
Can someone with a kind, beautiful soul play someone so deep and dark and ridiculous? I think that's what attracts them to that part. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, well. <laughs> Lisa, it's acting, Spike. You're, you're right. You're right. The only exception to that rule would be Hanks. He didn't really do that outside of he's, uh, he's never Ro- done a, Road to Perdition was the only one. Right. We're, we're, but, even then, he was an assassin with a heart. Yeah. Even it's right? gray area. Yeah. I mean, what yeah, about he, Elvis? I mean, he was no hero. Yeah. He, he was. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Pretty heinous was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, but, uh, that was just, that's just a weird performance from him at that yeah, point. I still, I, just, yeah. uh, I, I know that, that Colonel Tom Parker was Dutch and he did have something of an accent, which is news to me because I always thought Colonel Tom Parker was your average yeah, southern, you know, southern shyster, carnival barker turned manager of the king. But it's, it's so, interesting when we're seeing um, – particularly in shows discussing politics, uh, House of Cards kind of derailed itself for right. various reasons. Yeah. But Veep went through this where there was this whole conversation of Veep versus Trump, right? What's 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 in the Veep show versus what's real? What headlines are you reading? Yeah. And, and then that became part of the show almost in the last couple of seasons. We're seeing this with The Crown. Obviously, I really want to get your guys' thoughts on Spare, and uh, they're not going there with the crown. They do want to get there. They've already gotten enough trouble talking about Diana and uh, uh, Charles and their right. tumultuous uh, marriage. Um, Maybe Harry's dad. You know. I thought, isn't that... Are they going to continue? Are they going to do another series? They're doing or? season six. They are. They originally going to stop at... Well, they originally were going to do six. Yeah. Then the creator said, we're going to stop at five because right. we're getting too modern. And then whatever Netflix decided... to offer him whatever a number big popped up. he was like we're gonna do it but he even <laughs> stated we're not getting to megan markle we're not going to spare and i think that's attractive to a lot of audiences to do that because spare became such a phenomenon for a couple of weeks and now yeah. we'll forget about it but well now he's being evicted you know, <laughs> which is just unbelievable seriously what is that about yeah i don't understand it either is this charles admitting that that's not his son oh maybe i mean I, I'm, I'm thinking what kind of motivation could you possibly have I don't know. To what are you? De, how do you deplat, deplatforming? He's already been deplatformed. He's late on rent. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're hurting for jingles over there at the, pa- at the, at the palace. Yeah, ninety days. It was clearly in your lease there, my friend. And then I think oppositely, the most successful movie of the year. I mean, Avatar aside, was Top Gun. Politically. There wasn't even a country named as the villain. Well, that's it's a, true. It's right. a square box they got to shoot at that has dangerous stuff in it. That's the enemy. It's mm. just this box in the field. And everyone loved it. They're like, great. We, we have a united enemy. We have, a, we have all these heroes. And I see that with some political movies now. Bombshell that came out. There's a clear good side, bad side. Right. We see that with Dark Waters, which was a, a, a Mark Ruffalo movie. Aaron Brockovich, obviously, earlier. There's a clear... Good side, bad side. Well, yeah, well, any good story needs a, someone to root against. Yeah, something that's about our government and the two sides. There is. You well, you are telling half the country not to come to or like your movie, or just hate it. Yeah, particularly on the politics, not the filmmaking behind well, it. No, exactly, of course. exactly. Paul Thomas Anderson's amazing filmmaker. I would hate for his movie to get saddled with the content and not what he does with it. What did you think of the film Vice? Did you like that one? Uh, I'm more of a big short guy, but I did like Vice. I yeah, love sure. Big Short. I liked yeah. Vice. Yeah. Um, obviously, I was rooting for Bale for the uh, the Oscar there over mm-hmm. Rami Malek, which I think has aged pretty well. And talk about uh, Fat Suit when he actually kind of gained a good amount of that weight on his right. own. Christian Bale did, yeah. Christian Bale just kind of does He's that phenomenal. stuff. phenomenal. Yeah. Well, my favorite is Wag the Dog. And I don't know. I mean, it doesn't address 
actual politics, but it did address actual politics. It really did. And everything references back to it. Everything that has happened in government since that movie came out, I go, well, hmm, well, that was in Wag the Dog. Okay. And it's funny, Wag, Wag the Dog, for those of you who missed, was maybe 15 years ago now? Yeah, it was, it was in the early right? 2000s, And it was I Dustin think. Hoffman, was a Hollywood, um, pro- was it Hoffman? Yeah, he played, yeah, he played the producer, yeah, played the the Robert Ho- De Niro was right. the fixer. Hollywood producer who had to help the government tell a story for public consumption about the evil doings, behind-the-scene doings, of the deep state. Is that probably, mm-hmm. you know, first time the deep state was actually a character <laughs> in a film. And, and Lisa, you're right. Nowadays, you have to look at everything through this this lens of, man, I'm just it's so... Fake video. They yes, made the fake yes. war and the fake. They, they had extra, literally, literally had extras in a yep. green screen room making yep. war footage. Could There's, could network be made today? I what, think network <laughs> is happening today. I was about to say, just turn on any channel except Fox, and you'll see the story of network playing and out I think live that's on your the TV. Problem. Yeah. I think that's the problem. The one thing I go back to, I'm looking at the best picture nominees this year. Top Gun Maverick is. I guess modern. It really is just an 80s fantasy. Women talking, pretty modern, but there's a, a Bolivia side factor to it where it feels like it's in its own time and place. Everything, everywhere, all at once is its own sci-fi movie. Yeah. Banshees in a Sheer, 1920s. Triangle of Sadness, you're in a remote island, but it is modern. Fableman's, Spielberg's childhood. All right. Quiet on the Western Front, World War One. Avatar, you're a different planet. Elvis, 1950s. And then you got Tar. It always comes back to Tar in the modern world. Yeah. But movies about the modern world and about modern things in the modern world are happening less and less frequently. And especially when we talk about politics, as divisive as it is, how can you tell half the country that, or make fun of half the country? Would a, a movie that spins politics positively, like something all the way back to Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, could that even be made? Oh, or I, people yeah. just laugh at that. I'm like, oh, yeah, so. right. I think I'm still optimistic enough yes. to think that there is room for something like that. And, and it'd be nice to have to, It's funny, I used to watch The West Wing on a loop yeah. just to have this reaffirmation that government can be good and do good. We've got Frank Summer with us from MyNorthwest.com. We're talking movies, politics and movies. We've got more to talk about. Lisa Brooks, thank you. If you can stay, you're more than welcome to. I know there's probably things happening in the world that you need to bring to the audience from the Cairo Newsroom. <laughs> it's Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill with Kevin Gears. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. Little Pink Floyd for you there. The 50th anniversary of the release of Dark Side of the Moon. Do you remember the dust up a couple weeks ago when uh, uh, Pink Floyd has had planned to release a special 50th anniversary edition of Dark Side of the Moon? And it got a lot of, I think their Twitter page, they changed their Twitter uh, or their, they changed a, an icon on their Twitter to uh, a, the 50th anniversary logo with a rainbow inside from the prism oh, right. from the prism this. of the Dark Side of the Moon album cover. And uh, all of a sudden, Pink Floyd went woke. And Pink Floyd fans, you know, how can, why you gotta, why you gotta go woke? Why you gotta be inclusive? Dude, it's a prism. It's light. It is the cl- one of the most iconic album covers of all time. I can understand you had to be high to enjoy the album to its full extent. And maybe you missed that it was a prism and light refraction. Anyway, I digress. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. Frank Semmel's here along with Lisa Brooks. We're talking movies. 
um, and we're talking politics in movies. Uh, but there's a lot of other things that, Frank, you really do speak well to a lot of topics, and I, I'm admire, I admire that. I'm impressed by that. Um, we were talking a little bit about Tom Brady off the air. Yeah. As, you know, the GOAT. And God, I hate to say that. It tastes horrible coming out of my mouth. But with seven Super Bowl championships, Tom Brady is clearly the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Who's your favorite, though? Who's your favorite QB? Uh, uh, I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, and Johnny Unitas okay. was yeah. what an NFL quarterback should be. Johnny Unitas, literally, I, I'm not kidding, Johnny Unitas taught my brother and I how to throw a football. Mm-hmm. He had a restaurant uh, called The Golden Arm in Towson, Maryland, and my father managed the Radio Shack store for a brief period, just two doors down from The Golden Arm. My brother and I were behind the... Uh, store one afternoon throwing a football in an alley and Johnny Unitas came out and asked my brother to see the ball and showed my brother where to place your fingers on the laces and the point, back point of the football and how to release it and roll it and throw a spiral. You must have gotten drinks on that story for decades in Baltimore. <laughs> um, I gave away more drinks just to have people hear that story. Wow. Yeah, I, so Johnny Unitas for me. But I, I think my favorite all-time NFL quarterback to watch play may have been Joe Montana. Yeah. Or cool as, as much Still as I hated cool. to say it, Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. Because yeah. I was from Baltimore and Pittsburgh kicked our rears every year. No matter how good we did, Pittsburgh did better. Yeah. You know, when I was coming up as a kid and an NFL fan. so And four for four in the Super Bowl. When they you, when you were actually allowed to not just hit a quarterback, but destroy, physically destroy a quarterback. Sport. Yeah. Sport. So now, speaking of completely different, I'm going to talk about, <laughs> if, if you need to go do news, Lisa. Are you talking about football? We're talking about football. I'll talk to you later. And you're more than welcome to hang and stay. I love your opinions <laughs> on stuff. That's okay. Um, That's right. Well, no, you could, you could maybe answer briefly. If you want to stay, you can. What does What is next for Tom Brady? Does, does high-level performance on the field, maybe the highest ever, maybe the GOAT, does that equate and translate to um, – Skills as a broadcaster. Well, he just signed a massive contract. Massive. I mean, like how much? So massive, like, that, like uh, billions in the three digits in the billion or the or the million, millions. I think. Yeah, yeah it's th- somewhere like a hundred million dollars or more. To and I'll look it up real for quick. For what? To broadcast, to go in the booth and talk, oh, be an analyst. Yeah. It was so massive. Do it Absolutely, that's that's where another he another commentator, Greg Olson, who did a fine job, uh, borderline like great, depending who you ask. Had to take a reduction in his salary so they can bring on Brady. You're kidding me. Yeah, it was a whole story a couple weeks ago. So Greg Olson, who was the tight end. Yeah, for Carolina. Um, for Carolina and played briefly here in Seattle. A lot of people don't uh-huh. even remember that. He called the Super Bowl. He was the color guy in the Super Bowl. And he did a fantastic job. So here's the numbers. He was making $10 million a year as the lead analyst. Doing the Super Bowl, the biggest game. His salary next year, if he accepts it. I, I don't know if they're still working on it. $3 million. He loses seven million dollars wow. because they got to pay Tom. Oh yeah, uh-huh. that network doesn't have enough money that they got to borrow from Greg Olson to pay Tom. That is despicable. It's just crazy stuff. It's the power of Tom. Spike, would you take That's a right. pay decrease for me? <laughs> They're thinking to about bring bringing you me on. <laughs> to bring you on, Kevin. You know, I'm just kidding. Oh no, I'd, I'd go from fifteen to fourteen fifty an hour. Oh, I'll man. cut you fifty cents an hour, there my friend. Go. I would do that for you. That's the kind of love I have. Yeah, I can't believe that a major network is asking another employee to take a pay cut. To help pay somebody else's salary? That's just wrong. That's just That's bad. Seriously, bad. that is, it makes the network look ridiculous. Also, it was the guy that they gave the gig to the Super Bowl, and I think a lot of people responded favorably to his job. So I think he's looking at it as like some leverage, like, hold on, I just did the Super Bowl. Yeah, he, there's a lot of networks out there that need quality broadcasters. There's quality a, lot analysts, of a lot of networks that need quality broadcasters. So does that mean Tom is getting the big chair right out of the gate? He's going to be our Super Bowl guy? What well, if he stinks? Th- and that's the thing that no one's at- talking about is – when has he been known as an awesome press conference guy? Exactly. He is kind of vanilla. 
He is kind of stiff. Keeps cards close to the chest. Yeah. He's never been the most charismatic guy. He's he's gotten weirder, you know, well, in, when, later when, in his career. He didn't go full. Didn't Did go they, full Wilson weird, but he went weird. Do they want him for? Play-by-play or color, or is there something else? He, he would be a color guy, I'm assuming. Yeah, he's he going to be a Tony Romo. Okay. Because yeah. I think he could do color, but play-by-play is a completely different No, it's completely different. different. you got to paint set. a picture. Yeah. And when, when you're a color guy in the NFL, mostly the former players understand the game, why this defense is the right defense, what they're going to do here, what his options are going to be. He's more inclined, the team's more inclined to do this on this in this situation right. from game experience. Right. So, And maybe he'll be great. Yeah, it could be. He's, I mean, been, he, he's he, great at everything so far. He has applied himself and overcome expectations. Husband, but I mean, not a great the rest husband. of the stuff he's been maybe, really great maybe, at. Maybe he knew that it was time. He wasn't ready to spend every day with that family. Yeah, I mean, who, who knows? That's who knows all why. personal and whatnot. But Lisa, <laughs> let me ask you this. Are you tuning in? Netflix's special Tom Brady Roast. His newest project. Oh, no. <laughs> just, that's a, it's a rumor that's leaking out. Supposedly it's going to be a series of roasts. They're calling it the greatest roast of all time, and they're kicking it off with Brady himself. The groat? That's what they're, they're really doing. Calling it. The that's what they're doing. The oh ultimate in self-indulgence. Roast me, everyone. Well, well no. that just came after they did a movie called 80 for Brady, and right. that movie right. made yep. 40 million bucks. Right. Well, well, to be fair, it may have been an absolute waste of time in film, but the the four actors and now can you say actress or actor? What do you say? Say whatever you want. I don't care. The four accomplished, brilliant, accomplished performing actors, women, uh, Rita Moreno, Sally Field, Lily Tomlin, and Jane, Jane Fonda. Fonda. Yeah. I think they're, they're all like seventy five percent, if not completed, in EGOT at this point. Like, yeah, I was, I was watching legends. an interview with them, and Lily Tomlin doesn't have an Oscar. She's, she's like, I'm 83. Okay. I'm running out of time. I need some film. I need some roles. But she's got like what 30 Emmys or something. Yeah, yeah. she's got Tonys. Yeah, yeah she's, they're they're all so all. accomplished. You said she didn't get an Oscar. This will certainly get it. Oh, for the 80 for Brady <laughs> yeah. Oscar. Yeah, I guess all but, yeah. four nominated for best supporting if, actress. If there had been a love scene, a physical love scene between Tom Brady and Lily Tomlin, calm down. That would have got her the Oscar. I'm just saying. Would have I'm been sorry, as weird was, of a love scene as this uh, is like. Why did I stay for this? Would have been as weird of a love scene as the Tom Cruise one in Top Gun Maverick. Um, it, it, um, no weirder than the love scene. Maybe Tom Brady's greatest acting to date of Ted too. Uh, yeah. Have you ever seen Ted? Uh, yes, that was that that bear. The thing? talking yeah, bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, the Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. They made they made the second one. Okay, I didn't where see that he, one. Uh, Ted, the animated bear who could talk, who came to life because of a little boy's wish. Great, great story, by the way. Um, wanted to father a child, but they couldn't. So they needed human seed. Wow. And who else would a Boston person want but Tom Brady? Oh, and they broke into Tom Brady's house to try to collect his seed while he slept. And it was one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen oh, in my God. life. They posed, Mark Wahlberg posed as an uh, HVAC repairman to disable the uh, – to make Tom open his bedroom windows and doors at night because the air bl- was off. And they blattered up the drop. The, and and it, was, it was one of those – what do they call those when you don't see – the MacGuffin, mm-hmm. right? The, the suitcase in Pulp Fiction, yeah. uh-huh. right? The, the, so they lift up Tom Brady's seats and just this golden light comes out. It's beautiful. <laughs> Quite a Pulp Fiction <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, It was wonderful. I have never laughed so hard in my life. Spike, you know what's funny is that scene's actually based on a true story. <laughs> <laughs> and they, and he, throws, he throws the bear out the window and he's landing in the bush and he's like, perfect spiral. It's just like mangled a block away in the bushes. See, I'm just so nervous that Brady's setting the bar and then Rogers is going to be following. Oh, doing to, to go to the booth? Stuff. Oh, mm. Doing the, whatever. He's, Rogers is like, I want my own movie. 
<sighs> he he was knows? with Shailene Woodley for a while, or maybe oh, he still no, is. I don't no, know. No. <laughs> I will say, <laughs> I do think this is a, a little precursor on Netflix's sports plan. This is all speculation, but they've started this with F1 and are pivoting a little bit to golf. They're doing uh, a tennis, and now they're doing this quarterback series where you're tracking uh, a quarterback throughout an entire season, which was they have Mahomes, Cousins, and uh, Marcus Mariota. So it's like uh, hard knocks for an individual player. And now they're doing Brady and this roast. My speculation is Disney's going to dump ESPN and and join with Netflix. Wow. That's my my speculation. I have no evidence of it. I just think... ESPN's not doing much for them, and I think they're going to cut ties. When you've got Netflix's money, back over. You, can, you can do anything you want. You can play in any arena you want. And, and what makes me bring this up, too, is obviously I'm, I'm a huge Peyton guy, as I say on here. And so I've, Brady really hurt my feelings throughout my entire life when, when they I, battled. I hear you. Um, I hear you. And what's interesting is both Mannings, but Peyton in particular, in the after their careers, have been very successful. You, we see them in oh, commercials yeah. all the oh, time. Yeah. SNL, he's got their own commentating thing. The the Manning cast was amazing. Yes, yes. Uh, Peyton is single handedly carrying ESPN Plus with Peyton's places. There's no other content on there. Wow. And so now I think Brady's looking over there like, hold on, I got to do more than this guy after his career. I have to beat this guy at every stage. (laughs) So he's going to do all these weird projects. I'm telling you, what's the final piece? It ties to our first segment. Brady's going into politics. Wow. Good. Frank Summer, ladies and gentlemen. You're Mr. Crystal Ball here, Alex Guerrero in his ear like, you can do this. Come on, look look at these people running. You can do this, Brady. And he'll go, yeah, you know what? I got a lot of free time. So I'm going to test your your medal here. We're going to talk Seahawks draft next. Okay. Do you hang? Yeah. Frank Summer's going to hang. We're going to talk whether the Hawks trade down. Lisa's like, I'm out of here. Thanks, Lisa Brooks. Do you draft a quarterback just because you've got the fifth pick? It's Carnets. We'll be right back. Let's do it. Cairo Knights. You thought that was dead air, didn't you? I knew better. People at home probably thought, uh-oh, uh-oh, they've, they've lost their grip on things. No, it's the 50th anniversary of the release of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. And it still holds the record, I believe, for a number of weeks consecutively on the Billboard Top 100 album charts. Wow. By, I mean, by, 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 by margin. Eons. It's yeah. like, you know, the consecutive game streak of Ripken type yeah. record that will never be even close to broken. Not the way our society works and how fast we churn out music. It'll never happen again. Who was it that had like all 10 spots? The was Taylor it Swift? Swift? Yeah. Taylor Swift. And then no one had ever had all 10 of the top 10 spots in the Billboard charts before. But see, the difference is it's all about now, it's all about peaking early, claiming the top, and then you, you move on. on. Yeah. And then Pink Floyd was more like, Stel- we're, just gonna, we're, just, for, we're just lasting yeah, through was, the 70s. Yes. Um, and I predict that numerous times artists will have all 10 spots because it's not oh, about yeah. downloading individual tracks and it takes nothing to download an individual track. It's a click of a button as opposed to going to a record store and buying a 45 like the Beatles or the Stones or Elvis yeah. had to do to earn the top spots in the charts. Nowadays, it can be done from the comfort of your chair on your phone. Yeah, but love the honor for Pink Floyd. The Abs- album yeah. changed music. Absolutely. And again, the cover is iconic, not wokeness. <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little football, because when you brought this up earlier in our pre-show out in the, in the Cairo newsroom, I was genuinely, uh, I, I liked your take on things. 
Well, we tried to solve the NFL uh, before, and I think that's <laughs> that's gaining some momentum. Um, at that point, we were talking about the the play that ruined the perfect Super Bowl, mm-hmm. the call. And Frank had, if you can recap it, you had the the answer. My my idea was it shouldn't be an automatic first down on penalties right. unless the yardage gives makes you that it a first, first down. down. Right. A five yard penalty there would have still forced a third down and, and given the, the Eagles a chance to come back and take the game. So should the Hawks uh, take the fifth pick, uh, grab a new quarterback, go for some other talent? What would you do if you were John Schneider's ear yeah, and so had the fifth pick overall? Let's say let's save the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Mel Kiper, who is one of the biggest names in scouting drafts and mock drafts for the NFL. He he had a proposal where uh, Seattle trades with Carolina. They fall all the way down to ninth, and they take my guy, Anthony Richardson. Florida. I saw this, and I was like, yes! I've been tweeting about this. Anthony Richardson's my guy. I love this move. The only problem with this hypothetical trade is Carolina's also very interested in Anthony Richardson. Okay. So if they trade up, they might get him. So probably find another trade partner. But definitely could happen. And I'm all for this because I don't want to see Seattle after a really nice season that was married with Russell Wilson's just utter 2023. Self-implosion. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure I want to see this team get saddled with a four-year Geno Smith contract. Interesting. And I think the luxury of Geno's overperformance, over exceeding expectations, gives them the luxury of being able to draft a quarterback and not throw him to the wolves immediately. And well, and here's the thing about when you're signing Geno Smith, he's not coming in like, oh yeah, I'll take the one year deal, I'll take the two year deal. He wants three years, he wants four years, he wants a hundred million dollars, he wants half of it guaranteed. He's you're, he's gonna be your entire investment. And I've seen so many teams, because I would kind of consider it almost like a Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You just get stuck in purgatory. Yeah. And you I would much rather... Yeah. We, we've seen the bar here in, in the NFL where we just saw Mahomes win the Super Bowl with a, with a bum leg and Andy Reid. And yeah. It, an okay offense outside of Kelsey. That's the bar. You got Burrow and you got some other guys that join him. And then the second tier is really cheap quarterbacks that you can stack a lot of talent around. Yeah, game manager guys. Well, and, and, and young guys like yeah. Justin Fields, yeah, guys yes. on rookie deals. Yes. Right now, the Seahawks have the seventh most cap space. They have some flexibility. Do you really want to sink that for five years because Geno Smith had one nice season? And I'm sorry to say, I love the Geno Smith year. I don't mean to be that guy, but I put him on my list of. I call it the Isaiah Thomas list. If you remember the Boston Celtics, sure. Isaiah Thomas. Guys, I really, really love, just not on my team. Fair enough. And Carmelo was the king of that when I was a kid. I love you, Carmelo. Don't but, join but my ate team. Up, you ate up our roster. <laughs> yeah. I don't like you for my team, but I love you. And I think Gino Smith belongs out on that list for me. Fair enough. Frank Summerl, everybody. It's Kyra Knights from Spike and Neil. We'll be right back.